Bing party people what is happening and welcome to another edition of talking during movies i'm your host jason jepson and this is the podcast we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation it is all about fun laughs insights and plus you get to know some amazing people and that is on point today because we've got a beautiful intersection of an amazing funny movie work life technology everything in between it is my pleasure to introduce you guys to Arthur Root. Arthur, how are you, sir? Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing fantastic. This is a, a great way to spend uh, part of my day. I love it. I love it. Well, Arthur, before we jump into the movie and all the other jazz, tell people about your uh, your company, where they can find you on social, all that jazz. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm the founder and the CEO of Nostra AI. Uh, very simple business. So rather than running A-B tests on a website, you as a marketer kind of can upload all your images, all your calls to action, your customer testimonials, your headlines. And then in real time, based on who's visiting your site, Nostra's AI engine will display, all right, because this person has these characteristics, we're going to display image one, customer testimonial two, call to action four, headline one. And then you know, in real time, we'll build that website, display it to the visitor and all of this without the marketer really having to do anything. Uh, customers of ours are seeing anywhere from 20% to 300% plus lift on, uh, on their websites simply by implementing the software. So an actual smart website who, under, who yeah. kind of understands me. That, that's the concept here. That's the goal. I like it. I like it. We, uh, you know, we did the email exchange as I do with everybody and uh, you picked the internship. What is it about this movie that, that, that you like or that resonates with you? Well, there are a couple of things. Um, you know, I like a couple, there were a couple of movies. Uh, we were talking about the aviator. We we're talking about the internship, the imitation game. Uh, the internship's great because it's kind of a combination of just like a funny classic Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson movie. Um, and then also, you know, it talks about selling sales uh, and kind of career transitions. And at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 a funny movie. It talks about building a team, getting together, building a, you know, a funny culture. Now, some of the things that they do, you know, might not work in 2021 and nor would I suggest doing them uh, with your team. But the concept of, you know, taking people from different backgrounds 
taking people who are, you know, really insecure about, you know, little things, but are geniuses in others and bringing people together and showing that a diverse team with different perspectives, you know, if they all kind of go out, they all have fun together, you know, amazing things happen on the court then, if you will. Uh, and it reminds me of kind of my days playing sports. It reminds me of the company that we're building and uh, just the culture that I like to be around, which is, you know, we, we work hard together. We really like that, but we also have fun together and that feeds into the work and, and goes from there. Nice. Well, let's hit play really quick here. And then I want to, I want to dovetail off of that because you, uh, you mentioned sports, you know, and a lot of CEOs and founders talk about sports. I don't know that a lot embrace it, right? They, they talk about the idea of it. They're like, well, you know, this is, and because sports really is, you look, we just had a weekend of football, right? The quarterback is not a linebacker. The lineman is, is not a cornerback. The running back, everyone has a role and everyone obviously has a different personality because they attack that role in different ways. Some are protectors, you know, and, and, and some are going out and, and attacking the front as hard as they can or going after the ball or they're protecting the ball. But that also creates diversity, which makes a good coach and a bad coach. You know, uh, what sports did you play and what have you learned from those sports to, uh, to, to help the current company you're in now? Yeah, so I, I played uh, soccer, basketball and tennis, you know, varsity for a couple of years in high school and was, you know, competing at a pretty high level. Um, but nothing compared to my co-founder, who's a division one football middle linebacker, you know, top 25 team. Uh, and. You know, that's, uh, you know, the question is, what did I learn? And, and it's just like when you, there, we, we talk about this a lot and we were actually recruiting someone. So we have a theory of hiring athletes and immigrants. Uh, we're talking about, it's just like that feeling when it's 6 a.m. It's a cold, windy day and you're on a run and you just know that nobody else is doing it. And that, and then you, you kind of look to your left or you look to your right and you got one of your buddies there who's, you know, fighting next to you that sort of us against the world mentality, that's like, I can't think of anything better. Like that, 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 that sort of, you know, friendship, um, team spirit. I just, I just love it. I, I don't know. That's just me. That's, that's, that's what I live for. Do, do you think, you know, in, in the, in the changing environment of the workforce, one of the things that maybe younger people who are coming into the workforce maybe don't understand as much is that there is discomfort and growth, that it's not, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't get to see behind the scenes of that 6 a.m. run with the wind chill. They don't, they don't get to see two founders who have the same vision, but maybe not the same direction to get there and have an argument, but they don't take it personally. Is that getting lost somewhere, do you, do you think? Or do you think it's just, we've got to figure out a different way to navigate those waters? Um, I think that the good ones still have it. Okay. I think that the people who shy away from those conversations, just, they're just not going to win. Um, and so my takeaway would be, you know, the younger generation, which I, I guess I'd probably be a part of, uh, <laughs> there, there, there's, you know, a lot of people who talk a lot. And other people who do a lot. Uh, and there's still plenty of us who have no issue kind of going up to someone else and saying, hey, you're wrong. And then there are plenty of us who have no issue when somebody comes up to us and says, hey, you're wrong. 
don't take it personally say, hey, yeah, that idea might have been wrong. I would say that there's also kind of the like, there's a lot, there's also plenty of people kind of with the the trophy, you know, that what's the participation trophy type of world, which, you know, I always think is a joke that, that expect things to be handed to them. And then, you know, they sign up, they join a company and they just get crushed. Um, you know, I interview those kids all the time and I'm just like, no, not just, no, it's like, I just don't think you have it. And it just is what it is. Uh, that's why I love immigrants. You know, if you immigrated here when you're six years old and you aren't, you, there, there was no participation trophy for getting to, to, to the U S. Um, that's why I love, you know, working with those type of people, um, and athletes who not just like, Hey, I played middle school soccer, but like, Hey, I tried to win a state championship or, Hey, I played, you know, division three, division one sports the, you know, those people still have it. Cause at the end of the day, there's still a scoreboard. There is. I, I love that. One of my favorite things, and I, I recently lost it uh, due to injury, but I love playing basketball and I wasn't a good athlete in high school by any stretch of the imagination, but I got better as I got older. And then I got to live in Southern California and I got to play with real athletes, real people. But they were really kind to me because they knew what I wanted. Like I wanted to play, but I also know I wasn't as good as them. But I wasn't trying to be as good as them. I saw the difference. It's very simple. When Cherokee Parks plays at 35% in a pickup game in Newport Beach, he's still smoking everybody. But he's still playing at 35%. Like he's not turning it on. When Sean Rooks, God bless his soul, is alive and he played with us, he would just shoot around and play. But they knew, like, I'm not going to hurt someone. I'm not going to, you know, injure them trying to be like, oh, look, I stole the ball or I blocked this guy's shot. But they also had a passion to compete and they would teach me. And I got better the older I got. Mm. And fundamentally, I can't tell people how much that helped me in work. Having someone who's better than you, having who's who's not going to take it easy on you, who's going to make you work for everything, who's going to shut you down. You're like, today, you're not scoring any points, Jay. I wanted to score like one. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, son, not happening today. But I learned from that, right? There's days where you're out there and you're running up and down that court for two and a half hours. You're not shooting the ball. No, you might touch the ball five times. But can you be okay with knowing you put the work in and tried your best? Can you be okay with learning and asking the guys after to say, what can I do to get myself free so I can throw up a couple of rocks, so I can do some fun stuff? And uh, that, that helped me out more than I would ever know in, in the professional world of sitting in meetings and thinking I had an idea and knowing that now's not my time to talk. Now's my time to listen and learn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a similar experience. I grew up, my best friend's a six, six, you know, had division one offers to play basketball, played high school basketball with Donovan Mitchell, like, you know, and I'm five, eight, like, you know, it's just like, but, and I learned just how much you could cheat, you know, how much I could shove them a little bit before it was too much. And, you know, you know, where, you know, how to, you know, move someone's hip just enough so that, you know, I could get by them um, when I was playing basketball. Um, yeah, I was never suit. Yeah, I was never dunking. I don't know. If, you know, maybe I could touch the rim, uh, but yeah, nothing crazy. And 
same thing. Uh, you know, how, how much can I get away with, you know, and then playing with people who are just better than you. It's like, well, you don't really have much option. If you want to have fun, then to just get better. Yeah. Um, just is what it is. You know, I, I always, it's like you're playing with those guys. I was never the best guy on the court, which hundred percent obviously okay with, but also, you know, it's, I think it's the same thing in the, in the office. If you're the smartest guy in the room or gal in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right. I mean, you know, I've, I've always wanted to hire people who are better than me where I, you know, where I was weakest so that I'm not, I'm not the weak link, you know, or, or my weakness doesn't bring the company or the department or my team down. And sports is the same way. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful parody to life. Uh, I think when you remove, like you said, the participation trophies and, and we figure out that work and where we want to, what we want to do, you know, uh, we're at the point here, the boys just got fired. Have you ever been fired? Lost a job? Uh, I have never been fired. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't never really so. have. I'm going to go with no. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm, I don't know if I've ever really, you know, I, started a company out of college so i never really had a real job um if you will i you know i interned a bunch of places if i'd stayed there i probably would have gotten fired i probably would have just gotten so bored um but no i don't have you been fired yeah a couple of times um i have and it was you know always learning experiences they were great uh most recently i was working for this alcoholic beverage company and I was their interim CMO and they were out in Arizona. So I was flying out like twice a month, spending a week in this quaint little town in Arizona. And uh, they had to make some changes and I, you know, they had gone through, I'd been there over a year. They'd gone through two CEOs since I had been there. So this is the third one. And uh, he came in and he was all fired up, ready to go. And I gave my 10 cents uh, based on past companies I had launched and what was going on and where they were right, where they were wrong, as he had asked me to do. And then uh, December 26th, the day after Christmas, he uh, said, hey, can we have a quick call about work? And I was like, that must be something important. Who knows? And he just said, hey, just want to let you know um, you're let go. And I was like, OK, you know, uh, since then, the company's gone downhill. Uh, they haven't done very well. And there, there are just some, you know, and, and I don't think that's to do with him or me getting laid off. I think that's to do with the culture of just not having a true North, not knowing what you're here to do and not having a drive. I mean, you can't, you can't be an outdoor activities company and then sell a beverage in a glass jar. Cause I'm not taking a one pint glass jar hiking. Right? <laughs> Give me a can, you know? Yeah. And and there are, there are some other fundamental things that, uh, that happened, which is interesting, but yeah, that happened. I got, um, I got, I wouldn't, I would get fired. I got laid off a couple of times during the dot-com era. Uh, that happened, you know, but that happens in communications and PR, right? You are, you're the last ones to get hired. You're the first ones to get laid off, especially if you don't, um, if you don't assert your value, and I would say that generally speaking across the board, 99% of PR and, you know, comms companies and people don't, they don't know how, because they don't, because they don't understand the business. You know, it, it, someone who would talk about your company, right, but not understand where your bread's buttered, how you make money, the life cycle of, 
of client acquisition and retention and what that looks like to sit in a meeting on the beginning of October and looking, Arthur, you look at me and you go, Jay, how was, how was marketing last month? And I go, man, we're up 20 points from the month prior. Everyone, yay. But what's our customer acquisition life cycle? Well, if it's six mm-hmm. months and we got to go back six months and celebrate what happened six months ago, not what happened last month. But, you know, people don't want to get it because they're like, well, it's not my place to understand the business like that. And I used to think that way. But now it's like, if you don't understand the business, what's the point of talking about it? Because you don't understand the business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I actually think that's a genius point you have right there. Like I always talk about, I wrote, I think, a thesis on this at one point, how people always judge like presidents about how the economy is doing. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it's like the economy is a reflection of the economic policy 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Like, why are we judging Biden based on how the economy is doing today? He had no impact on that. Maybe from his Obama days, he had an impact, but not his yeah. recent policy changes. Um, so you, that, that concept of going back to the root, whether it's in marketing, whether it's in sales, whether it's business, whether it's politics, whether it's sports, whether we go back to the root of, you know, why did, why did you get that loose ball? It's because you were running at 6 a.m. Um, got it. Like, people just always, I, I get frustrated when people look on the surface. It's like, it's so rarely what happened the minute before. It's what happened, you know, years and years ago. Yeah, it's, you know, sports, to your analogy, uh, you're talking about that. People will be like, oh, well, that it's that interception that got them. Or, you know, they mismanaged that last 30 seconds of the clock. Both may have happened, but everyone made mistakes throughout that game that built to the loss. I don't think you can pigeon it on, on one fumble. Now, one fumble may change momentum a little bit, but that's not going to change, you know, that shouldn't change the course of the game fundamentally there's there's lots of little mistakes that lead to big mistakes you know and it's i mean for these guys right here job searching you know <laughs> job, <laughs> jobs for people with few or no skills you know it's when you you know you talked about you love hiring immigrants and and they're, they're how hard they work and, and and what they do what is it um you know as a person who as you said you know you, you came out of college starting companies what is it about your fire that makes you want to start companies and that makes you want to be that person that brings on the responsibility of, of creating an ecosystem for someone to thrive in. Yeah, there's, you know, I wish I knew, I wish there was (laughs) one thing I could point to. That's just who I am. I mean, like I can remember when I was 10 years old, I almost got kicked out of middle school because I broke into the science lab. I was breaking into the science lab to try to create ever cold water because I had this theory that, um, that you know, when you chew gum, how your, your, your breath gets kind of minty and then you drink water afterward, it kind of tastes a little cold. Yeah. I had, I had a theory that, you know, if you put mint in water, you would always, you know, it always tastes cool. And obviously as a 10 year old, it took me a while to maybe 12. I don't know how old I was. It took me a while to, uh, to figure out that, you know, that that just creates mint water, which actually was ahead of its time, but that wasn't the point. Um, and I just, you know, whenever I'd have these ideas and you know, I took that idea 
realized that I wasn't creating actually ever cold water, even though I marketed it that way to people in my middle school and started selling things out of my locker, turned ever cold water into, uh, into a thriving like soda and candy business out of my locker and, um, you know, kept selling things and selling things. And it's just, and I would, I ended up hiring some people in my class, you know, obviously part-time child, you know, whatever you, 12 year olds ended up, you know, taking that money, buying socks, tie-dyeing socks, selling them on eBay. I don't know. It's just who I am. Like from the time I was a kid, like it's just what, it's like, just what was fun to me. Like, this is just like, just fun. I don't know what, I don't know what drives me to do it. Um, It just, I just find it incredibly fun. Does your, uh, does your passion for doing this, you know, for having this fun, does that extend into uh, travel and other parts of your life as well? Or is it pretty much focused in, uh, in business? Yeah, I love to travel. You know, I wish I could do more of it. I'm actually going to be down in Newport beach on Thursday uh, or Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Uh, I, you know, I like to travel a bit. Unfortunately, you know, last year or so, I haven't really had much opportunity to, but yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any crazy adventures that are appropriate for a podcast and uh, well, I'm going to have to leave is, that one blank. This is a wild podcast. Trust me. There have been uh, some interesting uh, stories, stories told on here. That's for sure. Uh, I wonder, you know, hard, hard left turn here as, as our characters are making a hard left turn from selling mattresses to hopefully doing something uh, important with their lives. So they think they are <laughs> AI is this mystery or uh, maybe I should say media has created AI as this mystery and Elon mm-hmm. Musk has helped fuel that mystery as, as well as others. You know, before we jump into that, I guess the easy question, the fun question to ask is, do you think we're living in a simulation? And I think there are a couple answers to that. And the first answer is like, who, why, does it matter? Like, you know, when I think about any decision, any question, it's like, well, how is this going to actually change my life? Like, if we're living in a simulation, great, I'll, but what am I going to do differently? Like, mm-hmm. you jump off a bridge in a simulation, you're out of the simulation, you jump off a bridge in real life, you're out of the, you're out of real life. Um, and if you live a boring life, like, you live a boring life in the simulation, you live a boring life in real life. Who cares is my, uh, my big thing. Like, you know, I, I live my life not, you know, obviously like, you know, I live my life a little bit on the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think we are? I think when you look at the amount of, uh, the amount of different scenarios that there are, I think that the overwhelming chance is yes, but I also don't think that a simulation is what we think a simulation is. I think that everything's just revolving because time is not constant. You know, we all take it to be constant, but it isn't. So it's just always evolving and they're kind of infinite different scenarios and possibilities. And, you know, the one that we're experiencing today is just one of those trillions and, you know, I would say, you know, infinity different combinations of reality. Um, so yeah, that, that, uh, that's my long roundabout way of saying yes, but I don't know what to make of it. It's like, I don't know. What about it's, you? What are your thoughts? I mean, I look at it as I think it is. 
you know, I, I really do. And people are like, oh, well, you went to Bible college. Do you believe in God? I'm like, yeah, but if the Sim Earth people from back in the early 90s thought I was God and I was controlling their lives by building police stations or not, creating safety and, you know, and cleaning up trash and raising taxes and all that jazz, if I was their God, right, then I was the, okay. But then, I mean, I just think it's, I, I, I think our reality is a really fucked up MLM, right? And we just, we keep getting other people bought in. They've got to create their 10 planets. And then they've got to get those 10 planets going. And then someone inside <laughs> those 10's got to create 10. And I don't, you know, I, I don't think we're going to know where the start is. Uh, and I don't care to, quite honestly, because I, I think the, I, I think probably the, the better focus is not, you know, is whether it's a simulation, I think the better focus is in general for people uh, who get a little caught up in these things is instead going, hey, how can I be better to my neighbor? How can I just be, how can we be better as a society, you know, where, where we think differently and how can we do that? You know, I, I think AI is, is a valuable place and, and I bring this up and, and coming full circle to your company, right? How do I make decisions better? How do I see the world differently? And, and how do I respond when I see the world differently, right? And you've built this beautiful engine that allows me to see things that'll appropriate a response, but also allows me to see it differently than my wife would, while at the same time getting the same information. And I, I think we need to work on that uh, in communication, as a society, as, as a world and whole, as, as a world as a whole, you know, um, and not get so caught up on the intricacies of belief but instead get caught up on the intricacies of people and knowing that it's okay to disagree. It's okay to not see eye to eye, but the information being given is still the same equitable information, even though the form may be blue for one and red for the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm just lo looking at the movie here. It's funny. We're, we're, we're on camera right now. They're having a job interview on camera. It's it's a it's a, a funny coincidence. It's it's a it's a it's a beautiful scene when they're doing their uh, their Zoom and they don't understand. Uh, I bought my dad an Echo for uh, with with a little screen so he could talk to my daughter. Mm -hmm. He couldn't figure out how to plug it in. You know, he he's got Google phone. I've got an iPhone. We can't do FaceTime. You know, there's it's just you know he still calls. He leaves these great messages. Hello. Jason, it's your dad, Jack. And I'm just like, I know who my dad is. Got the full name, know it all. <laughs> known for yeah. a while. Yeah, I actually think about that. That's, that's great. I think one of the most special relationships I had in my life was, you know, my grandma and I, she was, you know, she's five, she was five feet maybe, and she was a basketball player. Um, and my senior year and junior year, she, she had, I think lung cancer, some, some form of cancer. And we, you know, technology every single day, we would text back and forth, um, just about what was going on. And we, you know, our basketball team ended up winning the league and, you know, soccer team ended up winning, you know, the sectional, which was as far as we could go. And being able to go on that journey with her through technology, it was just texting back and forth and through my personal life, through which girls I liked, which girls I didn't like, you know, what was going on in my head, 
you know, all the stress of sports, you know, of going to college the next year and sharing that with her. Um, you know, I, from what, you know, my grandpa says is, you know, it brought her very close and gave her a lot of life, but also gave me, you know, as the grandson to have somebody to talk to over online, you know, that sort of communication. That's probably one of the most special relationships I ever had in my life. Um, and I'm very, very thankful for. Wow. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Well, where, where, uh, Where's your grandmother originally from? Is she U.S. or is she from outside of the country? She's from the U.S. She's okay. uh, she was from you know I want to say New Jersey area. Went to college in uh, in Maryland. Uh, met my grandpa, and then they they eventually moved down to Philadelphia, and then to to Florida. Wow. Okay. And originally, your family where where your origins at? Uh, are you talking historical or yeah. uh, Western Europe? I think Germany, the England. I'm, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not not super well versed. I probably need to do an ancestry.com or something. Nice, nice. Now the the thing with grandparents, it's amazing. You know, uh, I was able to spend some time. My grandmother's going to be 94, and I took my daughter up to Montana to see her her great grandmother and we're hanging out and having a good time. And I snuck a recording over, you know, and the voice is a little low, you know, and I got a lot of, what are you nuts? I'm too old to remember that. But then we got some good stories, you know, first date stories and moving to Montana. And I mean, in her eighties, she was still driving back to Missouri, driving back to Missouri to do class reunions in her eighties. You know, it's just, and to share those stories and my daughter to, to hear them. You know, and, and to have a relationship with her where, you know, she wants to call her great grandmother and where uh, she wants to, you know, send videos to her grandpa. Uh, technology can facilitate some, some beautiful relationships that uh, sadly we don't know how powerful they are until they're gone. You know, and, and even, the, even the rough ones, you know, my, my grandpa wasn't the nicest guy in the world. He was an Eastern Montana rancher and a salesman, which mm-hmm. is what he did. I remember one time, He'd gotten mad at me. We're on our ranch in Townsend, Montana, and he'd gotten pissed at me. He cussed me up, down, and one the other. And I got to feed these cows now. We're in his pickup truck, and he goes, I'm getting in the back of the pickup. And he puts the truck in drive, and he goes, Don't touch anything, just hold the steering wheel. And he's standing on the back, he's got the pitchfork, and he's throwing the hay out, and the cows are coming and following. And I was still remembering how he cussed me up and down. And I was Henri, about seven years old, and I floored it. And he flipped off the back of that truck and landed in cow shit. And he jumped up and he's got cow shit all over him and he's got mud on him. He's got the pitchfork and now he's running at me. Well, now I'm scared. So then I floor it again. Then I spray cow shit and mud from the tires. (laughs) And man, he was angry as hell. And he was just, you know, he just couldn't believe it. Gets in the car, drives me back to my grandma. You know, she's, giggling a little under her breath, forced laughs when, when he leaves. And at the time I was upset, you know, and now I look back at those memories, I'm like, man, that was kind of funny, right? I mean, we had a relationship. I was, his, I was his ranch buddy, man. I just went out there with him. He'd bring a 22. i I'd shoot a gopher if I killed five gophers. I got an ice cream cone after the day of working at the ranch. 
you know, because the gophers dig holes and cows break legs. And it was just, it was, it was an interesting time to grow up and, uh, and to spend that time with him in, in different ways that I couldn't imagine doing with my kid. I mean, he would hand me a tackle box, a fishing pole and a sandwich and say, I'll see you later. And then just drop me off. And we're out in the middle of nowhere. Snakes, got them. Coyotes, got them. Mountain lions, got them. Bears, got them. It's Montana. And I've got a fishing pole and a sandwich and a tackle box. And I've got to catch enough fish to feed everybody. That's my job. And it was awesome. Now, would I ever do that with my kid? Hell no. I'm not dropping my kid off and they'd be like, you'll be good. I got to go do important stuff. <laughs> but it's interesting you know how they they had a different faith and i think the world around them you know mm-hmm. and a different different view for sure it was it was very interesting a lot of fun a lot of I mean, fun. it brings bring what you're saying it brings me back to to immigrants i mean like i that was not my upbringing like i went to summer camp you know i had some stuff that yeah that went on that probably you know toughened me up uh definitely some stuff that toughened me up but immigrants like that's their story you know it's one thing to go out and you know have to to catch dinner it's another thing to not know where dinner's gonna be for you know for for months years to to to, to not for not to be a you know one-off two-off thing where it's just like this is kind of how we live day to day let me figure something out. Let me help everyone out. If you can get those people on your team and you get them bought in, which they should be, um, mm-hmm. whew, sky's the limit because those people know how to figure things out. I actually purposely start off training when I'm training people. I give them like a week where I'm just like, I give very vague instructions and just see if they can figure it out on their own. And then, you know, if it's a low level position, I'll, uh, I'll come in and I'll, I'll teach them the ropes and say, Hey, this is actually how you do it. Let's go over this script over and over again. But I like to just like, see, Hey, can this person like fight upstream? Can they just like figure it out? Can they come in, not know what, not even know what we're selling or know what, you know, X, Y, or Z is, and then just figure it out. I love having those people on my team that say, yeah, fuck it. I'll try it. Um, See, I love that. That's awesome. I, I've always been a proponent, always a proponent of how do you solve problems? How do you figure stuff out? Right? Because I'm not, I might be in the game of, of figuring it out or seeing the world differently because of the way, the, the way I was raised or the way I've solved past problems. But to give people the open book and be like, all right, here you go. Hey, you're part of this diverse team. How do you solve problems? Let's go. Let's figure it out. That's fantastic because it does, it works, you know, it, it's pretty simple. You know, it, it works better than, than I think people realize for sure. Yeah. Do you, I, um, when you're, uh, when you're building a company and, you know, especially in the AI space, as fast as things change, how, how do you stay abreast of what's going on or do you care? And you're just, you're building what you want to build how do I stay on top of what's going on? Well, I find people are a lot smarter than me and have them tell me what's going on. 
Uh, has there, has I mean, there ever been a trend you've missed that you wished you would have you would have jumped in on and just you didn't either just oh, like yeah. Yeah, I don't see it going somewhere or I mean there are so many trends like that I mean I you could if you want to talk personal I kind of I don't regret going to college but like whew, I missed out like there were tons of you know could have started I don't know what I why I couldn't have started a company then um, but yeah, you, know, you look at crypto and things along those lines, you know, I probably should have gotten in earlier. Um, you look at, um, oof, I took the money I got from my bar mitzvah. I invested it in Domino's, Facebook and FedEx. Those were the three companies I picked and I sold it like three years later. I should have held on, you know, it went up like three X in those years. If I'd held it, if I would have gone up like 50 X. Um, yeah, there are trends I missed, um, but I focus less on, I think it's better to be good at one or two like industries, like AI is pretty big, like $2.7 trillion in value a year. It's good to be good on that trend. Um, but even within AI, I mean, like we don't do, you know, we, we do machine learning, you know, and a couple of other subsets, but, you know, we're not looking at IoT, you know, a ton of other things within the, the, the broad umbrella. Um, so, yeah, there are tons of trends. What about you? What, what trends do you, are you seeing and what trends are you missing or did you miss? You know, I, I caught some trends and missed some. Um, I, uh, I missed out on Google. I remember when I remember when there was like, can you believe the balls? Google thinks they're going to be $100 a share. The, t- the audacity. I still remember Kramer. Who do these knuckle? You're a search engine, buddy. Calm, you know, stay in your lane. You know, and I, I didn't buy. Uh, there was one. There's one story. I won't. Uh, I won't mention the company's name or the CEO, but it was the 25th employee, and in two years, it grew to 2,500 people. I was the only PR comms person for internal, external comms, and then all our media relations. Uh, uh, a couple of years later, it got acquired by a, a larger company in a reverse acquisition for over a billion dollars. Get a call by the CEO, sit down in his office, and he goes, Jay, I want to tell you something, and I want to thank you. I have been the most quoted person in my industry for the last nine months to a year, beating out Fortune 100, Fortune 50 companies regularly once a week on cnbc cnn fm back in the day that's how long ago this was and uh you know cnbc cnn and fox like i just rotated through there once a week and then wall street journal american banker a lot of a lot of uh, industry and uh, financial recs and they told me they said one of the reasons is because of your pr presence like we just we always saw you so i want to thank you and i said wow man congratulations he goes yep and he goes you know and i want to teach you a lesson and he slid over my check for the acquisition. It was $1,300, some change. He goes, you always just, you know, got paid and you never increased your, uh, your stock that you could have. You never asked for more, never did, you know, so we didn't give you any more. So even though, yeah, as he said, I was the influential person who helped get the company acquired, not saying it would not gotten acquired without me because I don't believe that at all. And 
he was an excellent CEO, and I think someone capable in my position would have helped him along just as amicably, done very well. But it was very interesting to see that check and then know what I could have gotten and to miss out because I didn't ask the question. I didn't know there was a question to be asked, but still I didn't ask the question, right? And now I go into meetings where someone's like, well, hey, we pay you this, but we've got equity on the back. And I'm like, what's that look like? What's my buy-in, what's my buy-out? You know, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where'd you get off? I'm like, hey, trust me. You lose, a, you lose millions of dollars and you real quick figure out how to ask some different questions. But that was probably my biggest loss, um, but one that I enjoy because you know it, it, financially it, it hurt me for a very long time. But realistically, as as a young man growing into now an old man, um, you know I, I learned a lot, and I'm able to share that story to hope that other people learn a lot. I mean that that's the beauty of making mistakes, man. They're only mistakes if you just keep them to yourself. Don't share them. Don't give any insights, and uh, and don't own them. You know, a lot of you are like, are you mad at that CEO? No. It's not. He's not my dad. It's not his job to just blindly give me money. Now, did it annoy me? Sure, it did. Was I disappointed because, I mean, I had spent time at his home with his family, and I thought we had a different kind of relationship. Yeah, that bugged me a little bit, because but. Once again, that's me, you know, getting back to intentions and where we come from, right? Like that's me on the inside. Like I am the person who just wants to help. I don't care. I don't care if it's a loss to me because I just, I believe life's got a really long runway and you never know when that call is going to come and you never know when you're going to want to make that call and what it's going to look like. And so I, you know, I, I just, I see it differently, but that doesn't mean he sees it that way. And that doesn't mean he should see it that way, Right. So yeah, that was probably my biggest loss. That one hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. There's been a couple others that I missed out on. I should have stayed a little bit longer, you know, in companies. I probably, you know, hit the, uh, hit the ejection button um, a little quickly, you know, and you watch them grow. But hey, man, you got to be happy for them and support them. I mean, and, uh, and you've got to, uh, you got to show them love because they sure did for me. So yeah. Hey, I mean, you learned. I, there, there are two, yeah. I mean, you ever read the Netflix culture deck? Yes. I love the way that Reed Hastings thinks about a company. It's a high-performing team. Everybody gets compensated incredibly well. Encourage people to look for another job so you pay them the most competitive salary. Pay people as much as you can. Yeah, within reason. Now we're a tiny startup, like right now, like I'm not going to pay people mid six figures a year to be in, like, that's just not like, that's not going to happen. But, you know, with what's reason with what's reasonable with equity and kind of think of things as, you know, how big can we get this pie? Uh, one of the sayings that someone I'm close to says is, you know, companies are, are not measured in allocation. Companies are measured in multiples. And so that's where that that's what you're here for. I mean, you're the CEO. He gives you he gave you one percent of the company, which like way too much for a PR person. Probably Easy two percent for a company PR. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the investors will love that. I'll try getting that one by my board. Um, 
Yeah. And the comp and it like it like it's such a negligible amount. Like, yeah, you want to be realistic. You want to be fair. You want to pay what's reasonable within the market. But what you really want to do is you want to win. And if you win, everything else is secondary. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a billion dollar company or you, you know you exit for a two billion dollars and you only own 10 percent of the business five percent of the business you're gonna do okay even if you own zero percent of the business you're gonna do okay because the opportunities you have if you exited at that rate unbelievable um so my, my I, I try to follow that as much as possible but also if you don't perform you're out like yep. there's just there's no tolerance there is zero tolerance if you can't ramp in a reasonable amount of time, you know, what's the saying? Adequate performance gets a generous severance. Now, people don't like it, but we're a team. If you were on my, if you were on my you know, basketball team and you just couldn't play, like I don't want you on the court. Like get out of here. You play. If you were my doubles partner in tennis and you sucked, like I would carry the team as long as I could, but I'd be wanting a different partner. Yeah. The same thing with a company. No, I, I love it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it was, I'm all about, I'm like, if you want to, people be like, oh man, I just don't know if I can take it here. I'm like, you should look for another job then. Because you're, you're hurting your reputation. Every day you're miserable at a job and you don't like it and you don't want to do it. You're hurting your reputation because you don't know where the other people that are hearing you bitch and moan about stuff, but you don't have the, you don't have the cojones to do anything. They're going to go somewhere else one day. They're not going to live and die at that job. That the, the, the man and woman that worked at Ford when they got out of college at 21 and they're there till they're 71, that doesn't exist anymore, generally speaking. So those people are going to move on. And you've got to, you've got to, I mean, I would fundamentally say to every employee, no matter where you work, no matter what kind of job you do, you probably need to first know what your job is. And it's not what you think it is. If if you are a steward on an airplane or a pilot, or you are a baggage handler, your job is still the same. You're setting an experience. And sometimes that experience is for the people around you. And sometimes that's for the experience of the people that you're engaging or maybe not engaging, but you're doing something that gets them from point A to point B. You're making an experience. And as soon as you forget that, and you start thinking it's about you or about a dollar bill, or about a company, you know, like Southwest Airlines, you fly people from A to B, but your job is experiences. And I want to run this by you. I think this should happen, but I'm a crazy person. And you're sane and you build smart companies. <laughs> I would like this. I think as every city is a destination city, I think businesses should step up to the plate along with the city councils you charge, you got to increase taxes by probably a penny every paycheck from everybody. Every time a plane's late, more than an hour late, comes in more than an hour late. Well, what happens? Everyone on that flight's disappointed. Everyone. So what do we do? Well, wouldn't it be great if you had hospitality cities that just said, hey, I'm sorry your flight was late. Guess what? Here's what we've got set up for you. You get, off that, you get off that plane and there's a representative from the city right there or from Southwest or from American or whomever. And they, you've got a, you get an envelope. 
Here's your, here's your there's a, if you're over 21, here's your drink coupon. Here's some meal coupons. Check out these restaurants. Do, you know, and now you're given a gift because something bad happened. And you're setting the tone and the experience. Because at the end of the day, as soon as I leave that plane pissed off, I get into a cab pissed off. I get into a cab pissed off, I'm at the hotel and I'm pissed off. And then I'm kind of stomping around. Now, can some of that be avoided by me just being more of an adult? Absolutely. But can some of that also be avoided by companies understanding that they're creating experiences for people and that those experiences and what they do far outlast that plane taking off and landing? They should. And I think it would be interesting to, to have a a group of people who say, man, I'm sorry, that was shitty. Let me celebrate you. Well, my question is, why does this have to be like a public? I, I'm always against the government trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. That sounds, why, why can't you do this as a private co- company, partner with Southwest, partner with a couple oh, of yeah. touristy type things, a couple little bars, et cetera. Like if I'm a bar, if you say he, you know, I could give everyone their first drink free and I'd probably be pretty good. You know, like, like, why can't you just create a marketplace? Not a marketplace. It's kind of like a managed services marketplace. It's probably not a venture company. So it's probably not, you know, my, my sweet spot, but you say, Hey, you get off the plane, you know, you partner with Southwest, Southwest chips in a little bit. Uh, you then partner with, you know, you probably look at, all right, well then, what do you do? You know, what can you give somebody that's universal in a city? Like I go to San Francisco, I'm going to Alcatraz. Maybe I'm going to Newport beach. I'm going jet skiing. Maybe I'm going surfing on the, on the pier down there. Maybe I'm going to, uh, go hit up Mutt's real quick. Get yourself a a nice pizza or so great breakfast. Ooh, those banana pancakes. Sounds good to me. Uh, well, I got to look up where my, uh, where my, dinner at your spot um bear flag some mud lynches you see uh uh, you got to go to uh big mike he's uh long silver hair he's the guy that runs you tell him you know me you will get hooked up all right here's the fun story about my lynches so i lived in portland oregon for a couple years i ran the security division of a pr firm all the security clients as well as a database client named uh informix that existed at the time got acquired by ibm for a billion dollars and uh, I was I was up there. Man, Portland is full of microbrews, obviously. Great spot, great beers. But I was getting just, I was getting, it was too much. So my buddy comes up with this story. He goes, hey, man, Pabst Blue Ribbon on ice with a squeeze of lemon on top. We're going to call it a trailer park iced tea. And we're just going to pitch it as light, refreshing, and effervescent. And I go, so it just dances on your tongue like the sunshine. He goes, yes. He goes, Jay, we're going to sell a million of these, but we need a story. You got you to give me a story, man. I go, all right, I got a story for you. He goes, what? All right. So my mom's been married a lot. One of her husbands, his mother was a mean old woman and she loved to drink and the family would never let her drink, but she taught me how to make iced tea. And then every time we'd go see her, she'd get drunk. And everybody would go, who's giving grandma the booze? And I mean, none of the kids were. Jay, he only makes iced tea. She only gets, you know, she makes sure. It goes on. So I just go down this story and go, and then like 10 years later, my dad's like, hey, get me an iced tea. And I made him one. Mystery solved. Jason's the guy who killed grandma with, you know, liver disease. But hey, try a trailer park iced tea. They're delicious, refreshing, and effervescent. 
So I, <laughs> two years later, I'm back down in Newport and I'm at Mutt Lynch's and I'm sitting at the end of the bar. I'm talking to Mike and I'm talking to Dan, the owner. And I said, you guys, let's get PBR on tap in here. I got an idea. And Mike looks at me and he goes, do you know on our tap handles, the, the lowest, the smallest keg sales you can do in a month to stay on tap here is 20 kegs a month. If you're not, if you're not doing at least 20 kegs a month, you're kicked off and we bring someone new in. He goes, you think PBR is going to do 20 kegs a month? He goes, I'm going to buy one keg. We're not going to sell one drop and I'm going to make you drink the whole thing here and pay for it. All of it. I'm like, I'm in. He goes, all right, what do you want to do, bud? So I pitched him the trailer park iced tea. And then I said, as a bonus, because champagne, mimosas, let's do, instead of a Donald Duck, let's do a Paps Mosa, PBR and OJ. It's going to be delicious. He goes, you're a disgusting human being. I hope you die. But sure. So he, he gets some A-frames, orders it. It made the menu for over a decade. For over a decade, JJ's specials, the trailer park iced tea, and the Paps Mosa were on the menu. Oh, blowing wow. out about 32 kegs a month. <laughs> Do you get That's any my thing with out of that? That's why I'm like, <laughs> go say hi. All right. I'll, I'll, I got I to take a, an agency partner of ours out. Um, I'll, I'll be sure to stop by Mutz and tell him JJ sent me. Oh, yeah. Those, those, those cats, man. That's a, Newport's a fun spot, man. It's a beautiful area. But I spent, I spent too much time down there. So are, are you... So you're in the Bay Area. You know, I'm based in New York City. Uh, I'm in the Bay Area probably once a month. And I've been going out of Southern California because we've got some some partners down there. So those are kind of my three spots right now. Nice. Yeah. I mean, SoCal, Newport area is great. It's um, and even, you know, the Venice Beach that uh, the Silicon Beach, I think they're calling it now, starting to get some good investors. Now you just mix in Bozeman. You've got all your bases covered. You've got your big cities, beaches, and perfect skiing, brother. <laughs> hey, not too bad. <laughs> not yeah. bad at all. Yeah. Although I have to say being back in the Bay area, it's, you know, people are saying like everybody's deserting it. The entrepreneurs I'm finding are staying, the, the, the young ones, the ones who really want to get after it, mm-hmm. those are the ones who are staying. I think there's going to be some pretty special things that come out of here soon. Right. I think that the people who live to build a company, who don't live to surf, who don't live to go on the beach, who don't live to spend time with their family, the people who are just like, Literally, the only thing I care about is building a company. Like, this is my life. This is what I find entertaining. This is everything to me. Those people are strong here right now. Stronger than I've ever seen. Um, Do you see some better innovation coming out in a couple of years then? Because you're going to go through that, you know, hard times make hard people. Soft times make soft people, which in turn need hard times to create hard people. Yeah, that, but also I think just self-selection. So I think if we get a community out in San Francisco, which I'm seeing form actually, of not the people who are on Instagram, not the people who are on Twitter, but the people who are genuinely like building, like the people who are building and don't really care about why anybody else is 
you know, what, why people say that they're building, like they're just building. They're not, they're not on Twitter. Like they don't care that other people know that they're building mm-hmm. are, and the, and, you know, some brilliant technologists and some, you know, really, really great strategic thinkers. I'm seeing them all stay. And I'm seeing a lot of the, well, tech's great. I love it because I can travel. I can surf. I can play golf. I can, you know, eat out at a nice restaurant. Those people are like, yeah, I'd rather be in LA. I'd rather be in New York City. I'd rather be in Sydney. But the people who are like, I love tech. Like, There's nothing else. Like, this is it. Those are the people that are staying in San Francisco. And when you kind of eliminate the, the fuzz, the, the tech bro, if you will, mm-hmm. and you just let those weird people go, I think there's going to be some pretty crazy shit coming out of this area soon. Nice, because <clears throat> we have to. I mean, we really do. Like, I got my buddy down here, Worley. He's, you know, he's into quantum now, which if someone figures it out the right way, let's be honest, the computer security industry is fucked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm with you. Like we need those people in there that, you know, really writing amazing code and, and, and getting back to that, that grittiness and that fight that is San Francisco that, that isn't, you know, and no offense to the 90s, and my group playing, you know, being there, but how many secretaries really need to drive a Ferrari, let alone CEOs? No, you know, it's not picking on secretaries. I'm just saying like the wealth and everything else just got so out of control or the drive for wealth versus the quality of, let's say, um, product and longevity and really making an impact seem to get lost. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with like, I I would say like, it's probably better if you're like more, you've got a, a a wider variety of interests. It's just, Mm -hmm. I'm finding the people who don't like, I have friends, like we go out to eat, talk about tech. We go to, to the office, talking about tech. We go walk on a walk, talking about tech. Those people are, are like, I'm, I'm staying in San Francisco. I would never go anywhere else. Right, so it's like, well, you know, like, let's go surfing. Let's go play around at golf. Let's go to a bar. They're elsewhere. There's nothing wrong with either of them. It's just, that's what I'm seeing. And I think the community is going to get very strong. No, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it either. I would, I would just elaborate and say that if that's not your base, if it's not those people that are just driven in and honed in on that, if that's not your base, you don't have the strength of a base to move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if, and, okay. you know, if, if you've got like, I'm diverse as I, I sit down, John finds it funny now, the, the gentleman that I work for, is to be like, I want to get on a call with Jay, with a company where he doesn't know someone that knows them or he doesn't have direct access to them with a text message. And we got on this phone call with this white label uh, tech company and we're chatting with him and this gal, she's on there and I, it's on Zoom, but she had dialed in. And I said, 406, uh, what part of Montana are you from? And you just see him, he just goes, go ahead, no, but just go ahead, go, no, go. <laughs> and she goes, I'm from a really small town called Townsend. And I said, oh yeah, my family's from Townsend. That's where I was born. She goes, oh, tell me your family name, tell her. She's like, oh my gosh. 
So she goes, you know, all my cousins, you know, my dad, her town was that her dad, her dad was the town dentist. And he's just like, what's going on? Like, am I, go- I just, I'm finding people, Jay, this is all I'm doing. I'm creating business alliances to stump you. But it's diverse. It's, you know, it's cowboy stuff. It's, it's Marlin fishing. It's selling yachts. It's, uh, you know, launching alcohol bed companies. It's doing a podcast. It's being in financial services. Mm-hmm. And it just, I go, John, all it allows me to do is just be a little more adept at being able to talk to a lot of different people. I mean, launching internet security companies allows me to talk internet security. Am I expert at it? Am I the best at it? No. But if that person is an internet security expert and they also like to marlin fish, you're not going to find too many people that cross both those. Not that that happens, oh, but yeah. it does. And it got, right? You know, I'm, I'm just that weird cat that way. And he just kind of laughs and, and I said, but John, if there's someone that's not like you, right? That's just not driven in on experience and finding out what's happening in the world. If that's not, you know, if we don't have you as the base, I'm inconsequential because there's not a company there for a base, right? There's just not, you got, you got to have both. Who is, for your company, who's, who's your hardcore tech and who's more of your diverse social or do you guys kind of both hold those reins? No, we're we're similar to you. I'm the I'm the diverse social. I know. Yeah, you know, I'd like to think I can get in contact with pretty much anyone. Um, you know, not literally, but you know, there there's easy ways to do it. And then we probably have the only division one middle linebacker slash you know AI engineer slash incredible leader as you know leading up the engineering team, and. You know, I'm in the fortunate position of having a, a co-founder who is incredibly social, you know, incredibly, um, you, know, you know, well put together, presents very well uh, and completely capable of doing, you know, being social. He just would rather be leading the engineering team, you know, getting that, that squad together while I get to go out and fundraise and sign clients and build a sales organization and work on brand marketing and all, all that stuff. And so it's a perfect combination because we communicate perfectly. There's never, you know, a lapse of, you know, communication between us, but he, I get to do what I love, which is socializing. You know, sometimes I do have to take the client out to play around round of golf, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets to work from, you know, his, his schedule is, Sunday at 10 a.m. till Saturday at 5 p.m. He's working. And usually from Saturday at 5 p.m. till Sunday at 10 a.m. He's also working and building the software. Um, and then, you know, I'm almost never in the office. I'm always meeting someone. I'm always doing, you know, creating those relationships. And so it's a perfect balance. That's that's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, that. how do you did you guys do an interview process when you guys came together to, to be partners on this? How, how did that come about? So we had, I mean, it's just, it's almost unfair. So we were both working on companies in college. He was doing his master's while I was doing my undergrad and he was doing his master's in AI. And we were the two people who at 7 a.m., 6 a.m. were in the office. And then, you know, 9 p.m. till 2 a.m. were also in the office. Um, and there were quite a few days. I'm an early morning guy, so I'll get to the office at like 5 a.m. sometimes. 
Um, and he'll, we, he'll not leave until 5 a.m. sometimes. So there are quite a few times where we just overlapped, uh, you know, because I always find, you know, during the day is when I'm meeting people. So I got to get my work done either early or late. Um, and so we just, you know, it's just never a question about work ethic. Um, it was just always one of those where I'd work, you know, he has no doubt that I'm working insanely hard and I've got zero doubt in the world that he's working incredibly hard. That is, um, it's a unique level of trust, right? Uh, how do you, because I think that's one of the hardest things about, um, right, is, is finding people to trust. Because it's, at the end of the day, you're letting someone else run with your vision in, in some capacity. You're letting someone mm -hmm. else share your vision, your idea to complete strangers and, and hoping that they represent, you know, your vision and your company uh, in a glowing way or, or in a special way. How do you, how do you find the comfort in trusting people, and, and how do you let them grow that trust with you? Yeah, you know, I think the day I, I can't say there's a formula. I wish there was. I know the 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 time I made the call, like all right, you know, we're 50-50, There's no way, you know, I'd already signed some clients. I'd signed clients. We didn't have a software. So I need to find someone, but the way, you know, and I, I had a feeling it was going to be Hayden. I actually knew very much, but I called him at like 2 a.m. on like a Tuesday night, picked up the phone. What are you doing? I'm working on this. Called him at, you know, 2 a.m. on a Saturday night. What are you doing? I'm working on this. But that's, that's what I need out of my partner. I don't need that out of every single person I work with. Now, would I love it if every single person in the business was working at 2 a.m. and all they all they wanted in the world was for this company to succeed? Yeah. Do I think that's realistic when we've got 10,000 employees? No. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's how I did it. And, I, and you know, I'd known him for years. So I, I wish there was a formula. And I see so many people I know just struggling with this. You know, people with good businesses, hustlers, but they just don't, they just don't have that trust with their, their co-founder, with their partner and I just don't, I, it sounds so tiring, to be honest. I can't imagine like checking in on what Hayden's up to. Just like, I trust that he's crushing it. Like, I don't really know what else there is to say. <laughs> how do you, how about you? How have you gone about building trust in, uh, you know, with people who could, who are make or break in your career? Yeah, you know, um, it's been tough. Uh, I've done some really cool stuff. I, I've been very fortunate. To, to have people trust me and me in turn trust them and it's worked out well. I mean, five or six years ago, snuck Ludacris into Austin and had him perform at five of my friends' little bars and they didn't know. The guy said, yeah. have it full and have the stage ready. That's all, that's all I'm giving you. They trusted me. You know, I uh, did the same thing with um, Callie Tucker and Craig Wayne Boyd a couple of years ago. It was running through Austin. It's been like, yeah, I'm going to pull up here. You're going to let me in. We're going to have fun. You know, and it was during South by, and, you know, the manager's like, yeah, we got to rent this bar though. And they told me it's a hundred thousand dollars. And I go, we're not doing any of that. We'll pay for stuff. You know? Uh, and there are times where I've been like, Hey, I trust you to do this. And uh, yeah, nothing got done, you know, take the money and run if you will. And I used to get bothered by it, but it was my choice to trust that person. So you know, what's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's my decision. And I've just, 
I've generally become a lot more trusting in easy things, you know, that look big uh, to kind of decipher the code of where I'm going to let this person go or not go, um, you know, and how close they're going to get to me. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as a callback. We're like, hey, call me. Can you call me back at, you know, three o'clock? And they're like, yep. And then it's 315. And it's a little thing like that that I'll go, oh, that person just doesn't respect time. Right. That's the only thing I can't get back. And that's okay. I mean, not everyone, like if I'm five minutes early, I feel late. I just don't, you know, I don't like being rushed. Not everyone has to operate that way and that's okay. But then that's not someone I'm going to trust with a lot of things because unfortunately in my world, no matter where it is, there's a clock ticking for something and I got to get it done. You know, I I talked to a friend today and I'm like, Hey, I got this idea. We're going to do this cool thing. He's like, I can help out. And I know he can, but do I have the bandwidth and time to text and call him over the next 24 hours, three or four times to see if he got it done? No. So it's like, you can throw it out there, but do I trust it's going to get done? No. Does that mean I'm going to put those efforts into something else? Absolutely. To make sure it gets done. doesn't make him a bad person. We just, uh, we just attack the world differently, you know? And, and I also, I mean, I've, you know, I've run a couple companies. Um, I'm not good at it. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I'm I'm not you know I I'm good at certain things but there's no middle ground it's like friendly like this and then it's hard ass and I don't I don't have a good middle ground that that kind of plays both and I you you know the way you embrace new employees and you're like turn them over and see how they're going to solve a problem yeah that's how I embrace life I'm like, if you're going to run with me, run with me. I don't care if you fuck up. I, ze- I don't care. You're more valuable to me if you do. Because then you've mm-hmm. learned a lesson and you become smarter. Now you've got a new tool in your little activity belt of life. You're now better than you were before. As long as you learn from it, you're better. So I don't care if you fall. I just get really pissed if you're not going to run. Or if you're going to tell me why you can't run or how long it's been since you've run or what that run might look like. And everything, you know, that I, I start getting questions like I get from my, my, my eight-year-old and we got problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, I just don't have it. And, and I'm not a good mediator in that way. You know, I, I not, not saying that I've given up and, and I won't try, I don't try to be a better person every day. I do, but yeah, I learned quickly that uh, I'm not a good CEO. Um, I'm a, I'm a good operationals guy on the side and I'll, you know, like, like John now he's like, uh, Jay, why don't you do this call first, which is be the bad guy. And then I'll come up and I'll make everything smooth. And I'm like, okay. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, um, I mean, it's an interesting position to be in. I, well, one time I, I cannot agree with you more. We have a principal and this is stolen from a middle school basketball coach of mine early is on time on time is late and late is left. I don't really care if you're a, you know, partner of mine, you know, clients, I give a little bit of leeway to be honest, but you know, people who work with me, you know, you know, advisors of mine, people who have sold companies for probably nine, 10, I don't know what their, you know, what their exits were. I don't really care either, but they know you're showing up. Maybe you're a minute late. You got that. Other than that, you're, it's just like, you, you're not going to work with me if you're going to be, consistently late just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. um yeah 
So I, I, I couldn't agree more about the time. Hayden, every single meeting on time early. We're actually both in the Zoom room when we're like apart before the meeting starts. Pretty much everybody at my company is actually that way. I'm trying to think. I don't know. We, we don't start on time. We always start before. It's like a That's plane awesome. that takes off before everybody's at the gate. And I will say in my personal life, it's tough. My, my girlfriend is always late. It is the big, biggest, the single biggest thing that just annoys me. I'm just like, God, get like, I got so many things to do, but that's, that, 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 that's sometimes part of the territory. Um, anyways, though, I, uh, I think time is valuable. Just have to be there on time. It's you trust somebody to be there on time. They show up, they do it. And then I think to the point of being a CEO versus be doing something else, a lot of times, like I'll get people who I'll hire will ask me how to do something and I don't know how to do it. Like you, you can ask me how to do it and I can go figure it out. But like I hired you because I thought you would be better at figuring this out than me. <laughs> uh, so like if I do this more than once or twice, like I'm going to be looking for someone else because like, I didn't hire you to, for me to do your job. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, and that's, you know, yeah, if it's a strategy question, if it's something, if you need direction from the top, that's fine. But, you know, generally, like, little things, like, you go figure it out. That's usually my policy. Act in the best interest of the company. I like that. Act in the best interest of the company. And seriously, look at your job title. Do you want to ask me that question again? Just, just want to throw it out there or you just want to go after it. And, yeah. and some of that, you know, I blame other CEOs, you know, and I just call the, you know, the pole architecture. Here's everyone flat, maybe a little hill. And then there's the CEO at the top and nothing goes out or comes in without his approval or her approval. And if you've worked around those people too long, you do get into that grossly bad habit of, being maybe intelligent and knowing what to do, but being paralyzed by analysis paralysis, wondering, and then asking you the ridiculous question of, but what font size? Do you want like 11, you want 11.5? You know, in reading on the website, I can, and you're just like, I'm gonna, you know, and I'll add to this real quick. There's this really smart guy I know, and he, tells, he calls it the 4852 and the 9010. He says, companies fail because turning left or right is a 90-10. Does everyone agree? Left? We're going left. It's like, it's just so just black, white. It's arbitrary. We're going left. We're going right. But font color, font size, essence of moment. Well, that's 48.52. There's a four-point spread in your 11.5 and 11 font size for courier, new courier, or Hey, Dan, stop typing, you know, and Comic Sans, right? Bolt. But you've, you've got, you, that's a finite area, a 4% swing versus left or right. I mean, you're in opposite directions. And we take less time on the biggest, what seem like most obvious questions. And we put way too much time in the 4% swing. Yeah. Yeah. Drives me crazy. That's, Paper cut my eyes with tinfoil. It's like someone asking you for approval to spend twelve dollars. 
go for it. I'm excited to see what you get. I'm real excited. <laughs> Don't care. It's like one of those, the company burns, you know, a couple thousand bucks a day to be in business. Spending a day to, to ask me something like that. Like, that's how I usually look at things. I'm like, well, will this decision, will this vendor, will this X, Y, and Z save the company time? Or will it make us money? If it, if, would I spend $100 to have an extra day? Yeah. Would I spend $1,000 to have an extra day? Yeah. Just the way it is. But would it, you know, if it's like, you know, if it's like, would I spend five days deciding a $200 purchase? Like, what's the point? Like, it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, just spend the money. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Or don't spend the money and figure it out a different way. But like, yeah. I don't have budgets for people. I'm not saying, hey, your technology budget for marketing is $10,000 a month. Mm -hmm. It's do what's in the best interest of the business. I see all the transactions. Something looks funny, I'll look at it. But like most of the time, you know, I'll look through my Amex at the end of the month and be like, all right, yeah, seems reasonable. We didn't like, all right, like if it's off by 20 bucks, it's off by 20 bucks. If somebody... You know, if we start paying for a subscription that we don't use, I'll, you know, it'll get flagged and I'll ask about it. And that's, if you say, hey, I need this, that's all I need to know. Yep. No, I'm with you. I, I get, uh, I get grief from the CEO who's bougie because he'll, mm -hmm. he'll always bust my chops and go, Jay, what are you doing with this? Why? And I have a, I have a fair, I, I have a fair principle when it comes to spending money on the company's done. Can I afford it first? If, if the company goes belly up and disappears tomorrow, if the, if the AI comes in and says, in this simulation, that company no longer exists, <laughs> but I still got the bills, can I pay for it? Very simple. And if it makes me uncomfortable to pay for it, then I'm not doing it. I'm just not. And I'm not like running to the CEO going, I need approval for this $500. I'm just saying, if it's not worth it to me, then what's the impact on the company? Is it not worth it because of the price? Is it, have I not done enough research that I kind of sell myself short, get a little lazy, get a little quick and just grab something? And then I saw the price and I went, shit, I should probably do some more research. If you can't figure those things out, don't cut the check. Don't do it. I mean, we've got a private client magazine. It's going to be six figures, no ads, highlighting companies, talking about things. I, I write that check to keep that magazine going and, you know, I get reimbursed every month for it, but I cut that check first. I don't get any flack for it because we know the division direction and I feel comfortable with where it's going. And, and I negotiated a deal that I knew I could afford. Mm -hmm. We're getting the best quality and it just makes life a hell of a lot easier. You know, we were at this really nice resort at an event and I was leaving that day and we were getting done and you know, you're, you're flying out tomorrow. We got meetings still. Why'd you check out of your room? And I said, I'm going to go up to the regular hotel I stay at near the airport. He goes, dude, just spend another night here. And I was like, no, this is $500 a night. And that place, I negotiated a corporate rate for us. <laughs> it's 90. Mm -hmm. Now, you can give me yeah. 410 if you want. <laughs> I'll just put it on my expenses. Yeah. I, you know, it's a $2 cab ride. 
across the street, which is actually, it's just, it's a $5 tip to have the driver drive me across the street. That's all it is. So I'll just take it because I feel comfortable with that, with that spend. And I don't think I need to stay at the place. I mean, now if my wife and kid were with me, if they had traveled with me to that, you know, to that event, I'd have saved an extra night, but I'd have paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. You know, was in the best, interest, in the the best interest of the company. And it's like, I, I remember when we moved to, when we, my, we moved the company from being remote kind of to in-person. My co-founder drove a U-Haul from Texas, from Austin to New York City in, what? you know, like one or two set. And like, I think he did it in like two days. I was like, two. he's like, look, I don't want to spend 10K on this. I'm like, well, I also don't want to lose my co-founder. <laughs> would have been worth the 10,000 bucks, but you know, it is what it is. He's like, look, it's going to suck for a day, but it's going to save us 10 grand. I'm like, all right, you say so. Just is what it is. I fly across the country every couple of weeks. I fly coach. Just like it is what it is. Like I don't need a fuck business class. Now, if it would help me sign a gigantic client that would net me 200 K a year in ARR, yeah, I would do it, but it's not. So I'm not going to. If let's say I had a red eye and a, you know, and I had a big presentation that was worth millions of dollars the next day, yeah, maybe it would be worth it. But most yeah. of the time it isn't, and I just, you know, just like do what's in the best interest of the company. That, you, that's um, what's in the best interest of the company. New York to uh, San Francisco, or actually probably New York to Long Beach for sure. Do you ever do the JetBlue first class? No, I've never done it. Is it worth it? Oh, uh, yeah. It's a whole plane that's first class. Really? Yeah. What's it's it cost? Awesome. And it's not that expensive. It's not that. What's like a. Let me see here. Back and forth. I'm going to pull it up right now. This The audience loves this. <laughs> They're like, yeah. You, I will get emails. You asshole. <laughs> um, Jet Blue. Hey, that means that people are still listening. That's right. Jet There's Blue. Uh, mint it's called mint jet blue mint everybody like are you serious i will accept your cookies for this jet blue does not hey jet blue don't be afraid to go ahead and do a little you know um advertising on the podcast for you here yes we got new york uh let's see where are we going for south see los angeles they go lax really is mint actually first class it's all first class the whole plane is I gotta. I just booked a flight from LA. Does does can you fly direct from Long Beach to New York City? You can fly direct from LAX. Yeah, that's what I. I so I'm, I'm gonna borrow a buddy's car in Newport, go down to San Diego for a couple meetings, and then I had to return the car to Newport. And I was like, well, I guess I kind of have to fly to LAX if I want to get direct. But that's that's the truth. I guess that's true. But yeah, it's um. Let me see if I just make it up. If I'm just gonna. See, do, do do do. Oh, they fly from Austin too. I didn't know this. But let me explore these fares. This is, I mean, two hundred and thirty-four dollars. What each way? From from New from LA from, to for New me York. from Austin to New York, and that's just flying on thir- this coming this Thursday the twenty-third. What it's do you have there? If I wait till Thursday, um, the thirtieth, it's one fifty-six. JetBlue, you're welcome. So what are we looking at then? Let's see. Book, book flights. 
I'm looking at LAX to New York City. Let me see. What, what are we looking at? And I'm looking, let's see, call it Monday the 27th. So I'm going to go from, I'm going to actually take you from, um, oh, dude, I'm going to take you from, we're going we're gonna to go JFK. Yeah, we're looking long. LA? Yeah, well, other way around, one way. Let's explore some fares either way. Let's see what we look like here. Got a red eye here. I'm thinking the 27th. Of this month? September. Yeah. $207. There's five seats left. And that's first class? That's mint. The, the, whole, the whole plane's first class. Oh, can you drop me that link? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting that. I forget like I'm flying Hey, JetBlue, I swear to God. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, you should get an affiliate commission on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to drop you this link right here. I'll put it in our chat. People are just like, what in the hell is going on, folks? But this is also, this is the uh, boom. There you go. I spent more to fly Cooch. Dude, JetBlue can be legit. JetBlue's fun. Oh man! All right, after this call, I'm getting I'm getting right on that. Let's see what's going on in the movie. I've been watching it. Let's see. They're dancing. All right, we got some teamwork going on. We got some teamwork going on. We're playing some volleyball now. Yeah, it's sports. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It get is, people um, together. Question for you: For what you do on the web with your with your technology, will that ever make it to um, apps? Yeah, I actually got asked that by a VC the other day who didn't think our market size was big enough. I was like, well, there are 1.9 billion websites. But that I, I didn't. I was like, I, reasonable question. Yes, it can work on apps, um, different technology. So we integrate on the content delivery network level, uh, which makes the integration of our software on websites take all of like a minute. Okay. Uh, if we were to do it with mobile apps, it would have to be more of a native integration, I believe. I, I'm not as familiar. I haven't built a mobile app in a while. Um, so I'm not as familiar with the architecture. So we'd have to figure out a different way to deliver the content. Okay. But the AI, absolutely. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the really complicated part of the, the whole product. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's... I. It's interesting. I was um, I was helping this young artist out, and uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who can just deliver real listens, real down not downloads, but real listens to music. And I was asking about it, and one of the things that he goes, "The U.S. What the heck? Can you still hear me?" Yep. Oh, good. Oh, there we are, dude. My uh, something just happened here. I have no idea what. Hmm. Um, so we were. We're talking and we're hanging out and um, we, uh, my brain is broken now from that. Broken. What was I talking about? You were talking about, what were you talking about? See. Um, our AI. Oh, your AI with, um, with the, uh, the apps and what that can do. And the, one of the reasons I brought it up is because there's, you know, I'm helping this girl out. We're doing these post and ghosts because he goes oh you look at the world too small mm -hmm. especially the american music industry they only look at the world in one way and that one way is real simple right it's just 
there's 350 million people. Who can you impress? And can you get on the billboard top 40? And he yeah. goes, I look at the fact that if you have 100 million downloads for a song, you're a failure because there's 7.8 billion people on this planet and you haven't reached them. You haven't even started to reach them. And he was talking about the difference in apps and app integration and how lots of places in uh, third world countries that are heavily populated focus more on web-based applications than apps because they take up too much memory and storage on their phones. Yeah. And he was, so he showed me this artist that he was helping out. I'd never heard of, never heard of her. You know, like 40, 50 million downloads. He goes, it's all in Brazil. It's all in India. It's all in Russia. It's in Korea. And here are the social media sites that you've never heard of that I joined these groups. And he uses AI for translation, joins all of these social groups and drops in links to her music and asks people to play. And then he's got her a real-time Google phone number, an international one and a US-based one. And then people can call and text and leave messages. And then he'll have someone respond for her. And it's, yeah. it's crazy. You know, and I, and I bring it back to the, the gentleman saying, oh, there's, you know, is websites kind of a small market? It's like, man, maybe in the U.S., but globally, it's huge. It's just huge. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's going to go up. I think our, our love of apps is going to slow down a little bit in consumption of memory and, you know, the information that, that can be pulled. And our integration, our, we'll have a love affair again with the, with the web in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the person I'm talking about, incredibly intelligent, you know, yeah. incredibly smart person. And it's very reasonable. Does your technology work on apps? And the answer is yes. But we just have so much other things going on, so many other things going on. It's like, that's just not at the top of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, internationally, like, you know, you're only going to, the average person visits thousands and thousands of websites each month the average person visits like 50 apps a month maybe max it's not that you know 50 apps times a couple hundred million people in the u.s you know significant you know amount of apps and you know you probably the propensity to pay you know the 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 contract value if you integrate with a big app is pretty big i find it difficult though from a business perspective the when you're in the we're in the awkward in between area because Facebook would never buy like Facebook.com, mm-hmm. the Facebook, they would never they would never buy our software because like they would just build it like they're, they're the buy versus build decision if you're a trillion dollar business is built. So and in the apps world, you're either you you're getting a lot of really small guys couple medium guys and a lot of really, really big guys. The really, really big guys don't tend to pay. Like they, they, they want to build versus buy. Um, and so I try to stay away from, from that. Like, you know, $20 billion business, you can sell to them. You, you, there aren't, you're not selling to Microsoft. You're not selling to, 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 to Google. You might mm-hmm. sell your company to them, but software to them. Yeah. You, but it's just too early on in a company sales cycles that are a couple years long. It's just tough. 
No, that makes sense. Do you, um, you know, and you know, obviously, you know, not like you've had to, you've had a gun to your head, you have to answer all these questions before, and now you don't have to answer. But mm-hmm. uh, I wonder, do you, um, do you build your companies with the idea of acquisition, or do you build your companies with the idea of the PE integration model, which has been happening, you know, for the last three or four years, especially, you know, as they've got a, a calendar on $1.4 trillion left globally to spend in the next three and a half, four years now, yeah. or is it IPO or, or no? Dude, I'm going all the way. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I mean, if somebody offered me a billion dollars for a year's worth work, it'd be tough to say no. Yeah. But that's not what interests me. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, the money's fine. Like I like the money of it all. And it, I just find that I, I want to go all the way. Like I just, I just, there's nothing that gets me more excited. There's so many things I want to build. And once you get big, like you can just start churning out new concepts, businesses, you know, acquisitions. Um, yeah, I'm going all the way. This is not a, this is not, I'm not a build a business, get it acquired for $30 million, go build my next one, get it acquired for $35 million. Mm-hmm. not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in, you know, I grew up in San Francisco. I, I'm interested in build this business, get it as big as possible and just keep going. Like that's what, that's what I find just fascinating in life. Like that's what I want. Nice. It's, I mean, it's because it really is, it's two roads. I, I get asked strategically for, you know, to come in and advise companies. And I always ask them like, hey, do you want to get acquired or not? And do you want a boss? Because a PE firm, they might only take, they're going to take 49% or 51% based on how they want to roll you into an existing structure. Now, and I would see, you know, in looking at your company a little bit, and this is just my brain, right? Folks, this is me speaking. I'm not speaking for Arthur in any way, shape or form or his company or his investors <laughs> anyone. Just me from the outside looking in. I could see a PE firm tied to an Ogilvy and Mather grabbing 40% of you in the next six to nine months to have you be a value-added partner to a, um, an industry that desperately needs change. Yeah. And for, you know, tens of millions of dollars. They I was going to say for a couple hundred million bucks, right? <laughs> they can have 30%. Let's go 250. Let's go 250. You know, gotta, we got to make sure the grandkids are taken care of, but you know, but then it's the question, do you want a boss or do you want to go all the way? Just you and your, just you and your business partner. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, have anything like i'm all for raising money whether you're taking it from a pe shop whether we're you know whether we're taking it from uh from a venture capitalist or private angel investors family offices you know whatever the the hedge funds whatever the vehicle is Mm -hmm. if i think the terms are good if i think it can accelerate our timeline let's do it like right now we're we're in a position where speed is what matters. You've talked about time. Like I could build this business with zero outside capital and just be a little slower. Yeah. But would I be willing to 
sell 10% of my business to jump three years? Yeah. Am I willing to take the risk of throwing, uh, throwing gas on a fire? Yeah, but that's who I am. Um, now, See, but I, but right. I like that. And that's smart, especially now, right? There's no returns on money. In fact, you got a negative return, right? You really do. It's, it's point uh, zero one percent negative. So yeah, this is this is one. It's the perfect time to raise money on any sort of return. I know VCs usually want you know the ten to to twelve x PE can't get in. You know can't buy in past eight. And now with everyone's money just not being able to sit there and do anything, it's a it's a magic moment to, as you said, to accelerate your plan three years. You know, what do you see um, in any way uh, with, you know, where you're at with, with AI, the integration or the help of adoption in, in blockchain? With our business? Yeah. When, when you look at, you know, when, when you're looking at the way you're deciphering you know, and not doing A-B testing and marketing with the web, the depth and difference that, a, that blockchain can give you or not give you based on obviously how it's set up, not all blockchains are created equally. I wonder, do you, do you look at that at, at all or do you, are you impartial to it? Well, I think blockchain is a fascinating technology and I've been a pretty active investor in startups in that area. And then also, you know, in crypto. Mm -hmm. Do I think that it's, I don't think the use case for us is right away. I think there is, there is definitely a, uh, there are definitely marketing capabilities. And, you know, you can look at little things that we do. Like we give the CMOs that we partner with, um, you know, we're planning on starting to give them like NFTs. So like little CMO coins that they can then go and redeem Nostra swag on our, you know, Nostra swag website. Nice. A little things like that. I think that's a good little marketing customer success ploy for us. Uh, but I think, and I do think blockchain technology is fascinating. I mean, you want to talk about if there's money for something right now, I just had a buddy pre-product, pre-revenue, pre-first contract signed, raised 10 on 100 from tier one VCs with a blockchain idea. Woo! Dude, I does what was it a year ago? A buddy of mine IPO'd. They were looking to, you know, did a little road show, didn't know what they were going to get, thought they're going to come out at 10 and came out at 50. And it was all it was was the blockchain was it was it was a video ad model. Right. So we're watching this right here. I could put my cursor over Owen Wilson's shirt and without leaving the film or anything else, sidebar pops up, I can order the shirt, knows where to get it, has it my size, blah, 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 blah. But they did it with uh, auto racing. So you could watch mm -hmm. an auto racer and then you could see the car and see the tires and then know where to get the tires in your area. And then people could add in, like, here's the business owner. Oh, by the way, it takes two hours. To get that done, there's a taco shop around the corner. It's the best, you know, get X, Y, and Z. And it just, it had this layering impact effect and uh, it increased, uh, it increased what I like to call eyeball hang time on the videos by like 200%. And 
and engagement they didn't have any before, except for, you know, comments below on YouTube, which they couldn't really engage because you don't know the person, right? So you, there's not really a response there, but with this, there was it literally inside a video frame by frame because it was put on the blockchain created community in each frame of a video of a race. It was fascinating. Wow, that's, that, that's good. I mean, I, I, I'd love that. I mean, we're watching a video now. I think like, maybe not Netflix. Netflix is probably against having ads, but like Hulu, like they have a free tier, $2 a month tier. If Amazon? it's ads, Amazon. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah, store. Amazon. Why, why aren't they doing that on Amazon? Even Apple. I know like I've watched uh, the Ted Lasso show, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like I, I know there are, there are quite a few Apple products that get just tossed in there. Now, do you want to sell to Apple? We've been over that. It's a very tough sales cycle. Yep. Do you want to sell to Amazon? Well, they just probably just build your technology knowing Bezos. Absolutely. But, you know, I guess that's the issue with selling to some of those big companies. I wonder if that stifles innovation to like, you know, big media companies. Because the build versus buy decision for an individual product is almost always built. I think it's, I mean, I, I would say that it depends on their roots, right? So if you've got VC roots, you're building. If you've got private equity roots, you're, you're buying. And you know the pain mm-hmm. of both. Slower market, right? Some tech's going to pass you up, but you're going to hope that you have the, uh, the spending power to, to keep them quiet until you can steal what they're doing. Or roll up three companies into one, like P does with SaaS all day long, and you're going to get integration and patches and fixes that, let's be honest, don't really work. And then you're trying to yeah. put three, four different management teams together, and you've moved them from North Dakota and Iowa and Indiana and San Francisco, and you're like, here's your new home in Kansas City. Sure, you're making 300 grand a year, each of you, but you're in Kansas City. And enjoy Budweiser. That's water on tap here. You know, just have a good time. You know, it's just, but, you know, I, I look at it that way. And then I just, I'm all for, I'm all for a, a hybrid approach, which is partner buy or partner and build partner with someone work with them, but make them your partner. And it kind of goes back to the trust thing a little bit, right? Like, are they in your industry? No, good. I don't like partners in our industry. If it's not industry data, I don't like partners in our industry. New keys, do not open old locks or old doors. If you want to be different, you want to set yourself apart, partner with people that are different. You want to make a dope mortgage commercial? Guess what? Partner with someone from MTV. Don't be Quicken. Don't be Lone Depot. There's nothing wrong with them. But if you're trying to send a different message, you can't market like them. Right? You have to be different and you have to pull people from different areas and and, and have them shine a light in a different way and see if it works. And then if it doesn't, then go build what you want to build because the market doesn't have it. But when it does, then you can create a really cool partnership that can go a long, long ways. And if you start occupying enough of their time, you're going to buy them or you're going to integrate or you're going to become some amazing super company with a super partnership, which I would say in the technology world is greatly missing. There's not enough 
really cool partnerships. You know, there's like big yeah. companies and small companies and we kind of do stuff together, but at some point we're, we're it's kind of the adage at some point we're all going to get bought. Hmm. And I wish there was more really solid, we're making the world better partnerships, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, brokering those are tough. I know, right? It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> off i yeah i mean there are just so many synergies that it's so easy for me to look at and be like oh that would be great that would make a ton of sense and then like you end up getting in the negotiating room and you're like all right so we have to get this decision maker from here to buy in from this decision maker we got to get in contact with this person and it's just like wow that became so complex for no reason yeah, I don't, I don't get those parts either, the complexities. We were gonna, I was gonna do a thing with a, with a big company. And the idea was, and I share it with people now because I really don't care, I just want it to be done. But it was, so it was a major telecom company. You fly in at the time were the five hottest comedians that were all friends. So it was Bert Kreischer, Tom Segura, you know, Brian Callen, Brendan Chubb and Joe Rogan. And, mm -hmm. but you fly them all in separately and they can't know each other's in town. You start off at a small little venue, hundred people, person does, you tell the person you 20 minutes and you walk them from point A to point B, hold up this phone, you know, on Instagram live on this company's channel. And then you just say something on the microphone and you're done. And I'll pay your full bill rate for those guys, you know, for the smaller guys was about 45, Joe to mm -hmm. 200, right? Okay, you know, but then you get Bert introduces his best friend, Tom Segura. Tom doesn't know Bert's in town. Bert doesn't know Tom's in town. And then there's an extra stool. Now you've created surprise because the audience doesn't know who's coming out and they don't know who's coming out. So you've got this joint kind of surprise, kind of fun thing. So we go through the agency first. Agency's like, hey man, we're just gonna give you the client directly. Like you just talk to them directly talk with them, and then the legalese and stuff got involved. Well, these guys cuss sometimes. Can you guarantee me that they'll limit the amount of cuss words across the total acts of something that our name will be on will be murk? I was like, no. Well, can you tell me? <laughs> can you? And I'm like, wait, and like, the bar, there's one at a bar. Can you guarantee me that no one will be drunk at this bar? <laughs> you got I, I gotta go the fun police have come they've arrested everything good about this i gotta get out of here and it just you know the the depth of the legalese you know to your point on partnerships into mine on a, on a blown idea why do people make it so complicated i don't get it yeah that's a, that's the thing I love about small companies. There's like no downside. Like it sounds bad, but like the worst thing that happens is the company goes out of business, which means that we lose a couple million dollars, which is like, yeah, it sucks. Mm -hmm. Once you get to like Salesforce, it's like, oh, well, there is significant downside. Like for me, if I take a bet, either we lose $5 million or we make a billion dollars and it's 50-50, 
or it's either we lose a billion or we make a billion and it's 50 50 it's like well we really can only lose five billion because that's all we got that's right Um, i like it but if we make a billion everyone's happy so it's an asymmetric risk Mm -hmm. if you're salesforce it's like if i lose a billion i lose a billion just is what it is and then the wall street journal writes about it and bloomberg gets on it's you're on the front page for all the wrong reasons yeah you know yeah it's all about taking asymmetric risk though and that's what you can do when you're small you don't have anything to lose like what's there's a paul graham quote it's like your default state is dead so you might as well like do everything you can to not be dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, break through these crazy deals. Shoot your shot, if you will. Go for it. Do you, when you, when you look at that in your business and, and life and, you, and you've done all this, you want to go back 10 years, 20 years, and you, you, you talk to your young self. You know, is there any piece of advice you, you, you give him or are you like, no, I don't want to ruin where I'm at right now? Well, I mean, there are definitely things, you know, insecurities I'm sure I had. Um, but more of it's just like, just go do stuff. I, 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 you know, I've always been a pretty active person and always doing, you know, I've always been someone that, that kind of does like to just do what's on my mind, but just do more of that. Um, I just can't think of something, something else. It's just like, I, I, I don't think I've ever regretted something that I've just gone out. Oh no, I, I, I 100% regretted just going out and do things, but the concept of just like doing something and not really caring what other people think has just served me very well. And I wish I did more of that. Um, I think there, yeah be less sarcastic sometimes i'm sure you know think you being a little shit in high school or something that i'm sure i was like but yeah that's probably what i would do what about you what would your uh, advice be to, to younger jj man you know i uh i like where i'm at i would like to be better i always like to be better right uh but there's there's a lot of really fun mistakes i've made and i'm glad i made them and uh I mean, probably the only thing I would say is, honestly, is, hey, you're spend, you spend a little too much on beer. You know, you know, you don't, you don't always have to buy around from people. It's okay. It's okay to just buy yourself a beer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's probably the only advice I'd give myself. Um, but, you know, you got to talk to people. You got to get out there. You've got to make yourself, you know, be a little, you know, it's, it's good. And there's rough things ahead. And, your parents will tell you this and everyone else will, you'll still, these will be the best years and you'll miss them terribly. And I try to impart that wisdom on my daughter, but I just, you know, take a little different approach. Like I tell her, I ask her all the time, how am I as a dad? She didn't get to choose me. It was not like she was sitting up there going, ah, that crazy asshole. That's the guy. There he is. I got I got yeah, guy. And so, yeah, you know, and, and I've had people email me and say, why would you say that? That's dumb. You know, she's a kid. I don't know. You'd be surprised what she says. You'd be surprised where she tells me I can be better and where I'm doing a good job. And, you know, it's, and that's honestly helped me professionally. And, you know, uh, maybe the only other thing I'd go back and tell myself is, Hey man, take it easy on your parents. 
trust me, mm-hmm. they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And that's okay. Cause you won't either. <laughs> no. That's a good one. That's what I, that's what I would say too. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it is, it is what it is. It's a, it's an interesting time, you know, and uh, I think it's, you know, as the, the movie's closing out. I'd like to get your last insight on this here. You know, you, you see companies like we've watched companies like Google and Apple and grow exponentially and they've taken a long runway. We've gotten some that, you know, they've uh, taken a sh- what looked like a, a short runway. Um, for entrepreneurs out there listening or people who have thought about starting a business, what's a piece of insight you would give them that, that, that you've learned uh, through the years of, of, of doing this and, and finding success? Oh, man. Um, conviction. I mean, gotta believe in what you're doing. Like, whatever it is, it's just gotta be like, you look at like Steve Jobs, you're looking at Sergey Brin here, you're looking at people that, you know, you, I, I, this is an example. I'd say. Steve Jobs was like a maniac. Like that dude's not normal. He did not, he had conviction about what he was building. He didn't let anyone else saw him otherwise. And that's his personality. And he died because of that. Like he didn't get surgery because he thought he knew what was better than doctors. Now, maybe he, he you know, he's got conviction in, in the business world and it worked out very, very well from there. Should he have had that sort of crazy personality in his personal life? Probably not. Um, but, you know, there are people that think that you're dumb. You know, you ask 10 people about your business, nine of them will tell you it's great because they like don't want to be confrontational. Maybe one person gives you feedback and you're like, oh, that's stupid. And you get feedback from people, you get feedback from other people, and some will be good, some will be bad, and it's very difficult to sift through what people actually mean, so you got to believe in what you're doing. Um, you know, at the end of the day, somebody's willing to write you a check for it, uh, a customer that is, probably on the right direction, uh, but, you know, it's, it's just got to have conviction in it, like, you know, you're not an investor, you're not a VC, you don't get to make 30 bets. I'm betting a decade on one bet. Like I got to believe in this. And you, you know, you got to too, if you're an entrepreneur and you know, there's a reason why when you bring in a professional CEO, innovation starts to die and you know, it kind of starts teetering down. Like the reason why you're an entrepreneur is you're going in, you're being nuts. You're saying, Hey, I'm willing to interrupt this, uh, this meeting and say what's on my mind. That's what you kind of got to do. I like it. I like it a lot. That's uh, it's great insight. It's true. You know, you, if you don't believe it, you don't love it. You don't bleed it, man. It's, it's hard to sell it. It's hard to get really behind it. It's hard to do the 6am run, the 5am crossing paths with the partner. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You can't, you just can't, you know, uh, I always close the podcast with this and, you know, we, uh, Go to the store, you buy some bread, goes bad, you got to go back and buy some more. You go buy one of those pesky avocados, well, you just go buy some, you just waste your money, you go buy some more. Goes bad, you go buy some more. Milk goes bad, you can go get some more. As we noted earlier, time's the one thing you don't get back. And it always humbles me that someone who doesn't know me but from an email 
would take time out of their day to spend it with me to talk nonsensically as a silly movie plays behind us on mute blows my mind. Uh, and it is always with great honor and humility that, uh, that I say thank you for doing this. I really do mean that because, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something wild, you know, and uh, I, I, I'm blown away every time. Well, JJ, thank you for, thank you for having me. Um, you know, looking at the other guests who have been on the show, I'm humbled to be, a, a, to be alongside them. And, you know, with your, with you as well, you know, I'm honored that you would, you know, that you, know, you reached out and, you know, I'm, I'm glad to do it. And it never hurts to have a, a, a Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson movie on as well. That that's, uh, it's tough to compete with in, uh, in my book. I agree 100%, man. Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson, always always a great duo. Well, folks, now is the time, uh, the time, your favorite time, when my daughter sings about the first time she took a shit by herself. Party people, enjoy. <laughs> 